Hello there and welcome back to week three of the Making It Pod course. And this week we're talking about marketing all things marketing. If you haven't already, I strongly recommend you go back and listen to week one and week two on mindset and money before you listen to this week's episode. It is a course, so it's structured sequentially. Each week builds upon the last. So if you have already listened to those, awesome. We can dive into this week's lessons. If you haven't, go back and listen to those first. It will make a lot more sense. And if you would like to take this to that next level and actually work through it like the course it is meant to be, make sure to head on over to makingitpodcourse.com, pop your email in there, and in a couple of days' time, or depending on when you're listening to this, you may have already received it, uh, if you're already subscribed, there will be an email with a link to the one-page downloadable action step document. So in that document, I'm going to outline all of the action steps that I'm going to take you through in the lessons today. So that document will allow you to just work through those at your own pace, have it all written down so you can use this like a course. And I'll also include the downloadables for the past few weeks. So you can work through all of those as well if you haven't already. So head on over to makingitpodcourse.com to get access to these free resources right now. Okay, so Let's get ready to rumble for this week. Uh, Just a quick note for those of you who have been long-term listeners. I originally put this podcast together last year and I released a lesson a day. So what that means is I've taken those recordings and I've put them together in one big long episode. So all of the marketing lessons are in this episode today, which is why it's so long. But you may occasionally hear me reference like yesterday or tomorrow. And that's just because originally I had each lesson going on a different day. So hopefully that will help things make a little bit more sense if you hear me saying those sorts of things. I hope you enjoy this and find it useful. Stick around because next week I'm going to be talking about business management. That's the last of the four weeks of this course. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe because that way you won't miss it. And as I said, go back and listen to those uh, previous few lessons as well. So let's get started with this week's lessons all about marketing. Hey there, Maker Jess here. Welcome to lesson 15 of the Making It Pod course. And today we're going to be talking about what is marketing? Anyway, what is it? What is marketing? Marketing is what we're talking about all this week. It is the marketing module of the Making a Podcast. And I'm going to be covering a whole bunch of marketing topics, uh, things like your story, how to make, uh, do better visuals, uh, SEO, mailing lists, social media, a whole shebang. Talking about different ways that you can improve, improve your marketing and make sure that you're telling the right story to the right people. So I'm going to kick off with a quote from uh, one of my Thriver Circle members, Rebecca Stamp from Eclectic Mama. And she says, my struggles with marketing have involved not knowing what to do, finally launching and then panicking because now I realize I don't know where I'm going to get people from. I had lots of ideas on how to market my business, but once I launched, there was so much to do. It was easy to lose focus and get a little lost. Then there is the feeling of walking around with a megaphone telling anyone that will listen about your business. It gets tiring 
And when I'm posting in the same networking groups on Facebook every week, I need to remind myself that the majority of people have probably never seen my post about my little business. So I need to keep relentlessly posting about my business. The problem with not knowing what to do is that there's no one size fits all model. All businesses and personalities are different. So although people can tell you what worked for them, you need to experiment and see what works best for you. The other hard thing about marketing is that you don't always see instant results. It can be hard not to feel completely defeated at times. I think Rebecca sums up a lot of what a lot of us feel about our marketing. Uh, You know, especially that line about walking around with a megaphone (laughs) telling anyone that will listen about our business. And it can feel like that. It can feel like you're shouting into the void and that nobody is hearing you. And sometimes people are doing that. You know, if you're if you're doing marketing kind of the wrong way, the shouty way, uh, what my friend uh, Shannon calls sort of repulsion marketing, the sort of you know shouty ads that you mute on the television or, or lean away from, uh, you want to be doing more of what she calls magnetic marketing. Uh, and she's going to be on the podcast after this uh, after this course is uh, uh, done she's going to be on the podcast I should say uh, with a whole episode about that so keep an eye on the the create and thrive podcast podcast I keep stuffing that up now (laughs) I keep saying podcast so much now that I stopped saying podcast Uh, she's going to be on there talking about that in the near future so look out for that episode so marketing what exactly is marketing what what is it when you hear the word marketing, what sort of, how does it feel? <laughs> what sort of visceral response do you have? Do you have a, oh yeah, good, exciting response or a ick response? Uh, when I first sort of started in business, I definitely had the ick response. I was not, I did not have a good uh, view of what sales and marketing were until I actually got a job where I had to sell and I, I learned how to sell and the, the fact that I was selling something that I thought was actually good and that actually made a difference. Wow, that changed things because I wasn't just, you know, shouting at people. I was telling them a story. I was giving them something that would help them. And that changes things. So marketing is basically, you know, basically it's telling people about your product, all of the different ways that you can tell people about your product. But what it is in a little bit more detail and what really matters and the way you probably should think about it to frame it, it's telling the story of your product or your your business to your ideal customer. Telling the story of your product to your ideal customer. That is what effective marketing is. Because storytelling is incredibly powerful. You know, look at the big brands out, out in the world. Look at, you know, Uh, Coke or Apple or McDonald's, whatever, you know, those huge multinational corporations, look at their advertising. What are they doing when they advertise? They're telling a little story. There are the mini stories that are supposed to connect with you and your life in some way if you are their ideal customer. They're supposed to create a, a feeling, an emotion about the business that makes you choose them over someone else, over their competition. So effective marketing engages people at an emotional level. We like to think we're all rational and then we all buy on logic, but we don't really. We actually usually buy on emotion. 
Uh, so here's a, a little story for you for that. Nick and I recently, well, recently, about a year ago, decided it was time to get a new car because we have a lovely old transit van called the luggage that we converted into a camper van back in 2010. And we've had, that's been our only car ever since. And it's had a few problems over the years and it's not exactly fuel efficient. And uh, we moved, when we moved out to where we live now, uh, we can kind of walk to town and stuff, which is great. But if we want to go anywhere else, we have to drive. And we thought the time had probably come to basically retire the luggage just to something we use occasionally and get a new car. Neither of us have ever had a new car and we weren't even looking at buying a brand new one because that's not something we're interested in. But we had a couple of things that we wanted. Uh, one thing that Nick hates is like the plasticky look of a lot of Japanese cars like inside. Now that's not a logical thing. It's an emotional thing. It's it's an aesthetic thing and it's perfectly valid. Um, it's a perfectly valid thing. Uh, for me, I've always wanted a Beetle, you know, a Volkswagen Beetle. I've always loved them. I've always thought they were adorable cars. But when I was a teenager and I, I said to my, this was, you know, back in the late 90s, I said to my dad, oh, I, you know, I'd love to have a Beetle. He's like, no, not a, it's not a logical choice. <laughs> because back then, of course, this was before the new Beetle came out. Um, and they were all the old ones that are all air-cooled. It was like, air-cooled car in Australia, bad idea. Uh, so I was just looked at them longingly and went, okay. And we, you know, bought the sensible old secondhand car for me, which was awesome. But anyway, that's something that I've always just, I've just wanted one. I just, I like them. It's not a logical thing. It's an emotional thing. So when we were looking for a new car, uh, we were looking at hybrids at first. And, but again, they kind of all look ticky tacky or they're really expensive, like a Tesla or something. Um, and then I just came across this Beetle and it's a special edition one. It's, um, there were only a few of them made. It's the Fender special edition Beetle. It's black and it has a lot of chrome and inside it has the dashboard is like an old Fender guitar. So it's Fender, the guitar company, they did a, a crossover and it has an amazing sound system and leather interior. And, you know, it was more than we were thinking about paying. Let's be honest. It was secondhand, but it was in really good condition. And I, I sent him the link as a joke. I said, what about this? How awesome is this car? Ha ha ha. You know, I've always wanted a Beetle. And he looked at it and went, that car is badass. <laughs> what okay let's let's test drive one I'm like really so we did and we fell in love with it it, it you know we could have bought a car for ten thousand dollars less than that car that would have been perfectly adequate that would have done the job but you know what we fell in love with that car and we bought it <laughs> so that wasn't a logical decision sure it has you know it has good fuel efficiency and all of those sorts of things and it's small um so, you know, there are some logical aspects of it, but let's be honest, at the end of the day, we bought it because we fell in love with it. And that's what happens with most of us, with most of the things that we buy in life. We buy them because we fall in love with them in some small or enormous way. And that's what you want to help your customers do with your product. You want them to fall in love with it in a small or large way. And they, you want them to see it and think it's wonderful and choose it over someone else's work. So in order to market effectively, you need to know a couple of things. You need to know who your ideal customer is. You need to know what they care about. You need to know why would they want or need what you make and what makes you different or special from other people doing something similar. This is called your USP or your unique selling point. 
And how can you communicate this unique selling point, this USP, effectively? So those are things you need. Those are questions you need to answer before you can market effectively. If you are just randomly sharing stuff, which I think a lot of us do, you know, we just randomly share stuff on social media or write a story or whatever. But if we're not thinking about these things, we're just shouting into the void. We're not necessarily talking to the people who will care about what we make. So what stops you from marketing effectively? Is it um, lack of knowledge, lack of fear, lack of time? Rebecca hit on a few of these, you know, you get busy and things get in the way and you're busy making product or you're busy doing other things in life and marketing is one of those things that can just fall by the wayside. And I, it's, I'm totally guilty of this, absolutely guilty of this, uh, of, you know, going for heaps of time without posting to my Instagram or not emailing my list or, you know, there's heaps of different things that over time I've, I've absolutely fallen into this trap myself and no doubt will continue to do so forever. However, I do have with my businesses, especially Create and Thrive, I have, I have structures set up. I have systems and routines that mean now I am consistently marketing to my audience in hopefully what is the right way. And again, as Rebecca said, you know, there's no magic bullet. There's no right way that you can just be taught here. I can't, I can't give you the answer on a platter and say, if you do this exactly this way, you will succeed. It doesn't work like that. Uh, And if anybody tells you it does be very skeptical because you have to find what's special about you and what's special about your business. And it's going to be unique and different to everybody else's. And then you have to weave that into a story that you tell to the right people. Now, there are, however, uh, you know, there, there aren't rules about exact detail, but there are overarching strategies. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Things, elements of your marketing that you can work on that will improve it over time. So I want to help you, you know, create an effective marketing strategy for your business. Um, So I'll be talking about, as I said before, how to better tell your story, how to improve your photography and video, search engine optimization, customer communication, mailing lists and social media are the big things I'm going to be covering. So today, before we dive into all of that tomorrow, your action step is, am I telling the right story to the right people? Am I telling the right story to the right people already with my marketing? And if you're not then the rest of this week will definitely help you to improve that. And so will a couple of follow-up resources that I've got for you. Um, I've got a couple of workshops in the Thriver Circle. There is What's Your Why? And Building Your Ideal Business is one workshop. Another one is a workshop on Your Ideal Customer, where I take you through all of the steps to figure out who your ideal customer is. Uh, So both of those things are in the Thriver Circle and you can access them right now. If you become a member, head on over to thrivercircle.com. It's 29 Australian dollars a month to become a member. You can sign up by the month, cancel anytime if you want to get access to those workshops and dive deeper into these topics. And finally, we have a course. I say we because it's a a course I uh, co-created with another wonderful person, Julie Gibbons, and it's called Brand Your Craft. And it's a core, it's a self-study course, so you get 14 lessons over 14 days, and it takes you through the process of 
creating a really strong brand and a brand story for your craft business. So if that's something you really want to get into in depth, I recommend you go check out Brand Your Craft. Just head on over to createandthrive.com, look for courses and Brand Your Craft will be available under that. And finally, all this stuff, there's going to be a lot of follow-up resources this week, people, because I've done a lot of stuff on marketing over the years. Uh, Episode 61 of the podcast, Why Isn't My Marketing Working? go listen to that one as well so that's free all these other one all these other things are paid you know uh, resources but that is a free episode on the podcast uh, 61 why isn't my marketing working and i'll be back tomorrow with another lesson in our module on marketing chat to you then Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to lesson 16 of the Making It Pod course. Tell your story. Today we're going to be talking about how you can clarify and tell your brand story in a way that speaks to your ideal customer. I've got a quote to start off from Cassandra Pons of Lazy Girl Lingerie and she says, Marketing is something that I was so mystified by when I started my label, but now that I've made such an effort to learn about it, I find it really fascinating and enjoy it. I struggle finding time to do all the things I want to do and prioritizing what I realistically can do in a day, but I really enjoy the process of marketing and building the story of my brand. When you get clear about marketing being telling the story of your brand, it makes things so much easier. By telling your story, of course, I don't necessarily mean your personal story, because I know there are a lot of people like, I don't feel comfortable putting myself online. I don't feel comfortable with putting uh, my photo or my uh, background or even my full name in some cases online uh, or my, you know, photos of my kids or whatever. And that's fine. You don't have to, you know, I think, and I will always support being open about who you actually are and, and, and showing a photo, at least one photo of yourself, because, you know, at the end of the day, people do connect with other people. And by humanizing yourself in that way, especially in this space, in this handmade business space, it is all about the connections between actual people, isn't it? So by doing that, you will make it easier for people to connect with you emotionally but you don't have to. But what you do have to do is tell the story of your brand. So you need to create a story or elucidate your story in a way that people can fall in love with. So before we kind of go into this a little bit more, I want you to think for a minute about the makers that you follow on Instagram, for example. Why do you follow them? Uh, Why do you enjoy their feeds? What is it about them that you connect with? And expand it beyond that. Think about other uh, businesses or brands or whatever it might be. Um, these days, I guess, you know, we say we're all a TM, personal brand, aren't we? The people who you follow who might be in other industries, or why do you follow them? What is it about them? I bet it's that you uh, find them appealing in some way, whether it's makers and you love their work and their style or it's people and you love their personality or their story. It's a it's an emotional thing. It's a, it's a thing we connect with. And I talked a bit about this yesterday, so I won't go into too much depth about it. But it is an emotional connection with these people. And that is what you are also trying to foster, is creating a story that people can emotionally connect with. 
So, you know, is it the photos that you love? Is it the stories that they write along those side, those photos? Is it more one or the other? Do you still follow blogs? Uh, you know, what is it about them? So blogging or microblogging, which is basically what Instagram is these days, it's one powerful way to tell your story. You know, visuals and video are another way to tell your story. And we'll talk about that in a future lesson. So I won't go into too much depth about that now. But what it comes down to at the end of the day is people care about people and stories. Stories are the lifeblood of our culture. They are the ancient lifeblood of our culture. They are how we have shared knowledge and wisdom throughout all of human history. Stories are powerful things. So by crafting a story around your brand and telling that story consistently, you create something powerful as well. A brand that has a story will be eminently more powerful than a brand that doesn't. And this is why when you go back, way back and talk about, if you've heard me talk about um, your business in the past, you know, why you shouldn't just have a hodgepodge of, of items in your store. Don't just make whatever you want and chuck it up in there. That's what a hobbyist does because it's not about the person buying it. It's about them and what they want to create. When you create a brand, when you create a business, it has to have coherence. It has to fit together. Your style has to somehow become iconic. So that's something that you need to work on if it's not something you feel you already have, looking at how you can do that. I mean, and it takes time. Again, like everything, I look at Ethereal, my, my jewelry business. It took me a couple of years of experimentation and development and failure. <laughs> to work out a brand that actually fit because the business was evolving and I was evolving as a maker and as an artisan my skills were evolving what I enjoyed evolved and it actually came to the point about was it four years in something like that where I removed a huge chunk of products I had I think it was like two-thirds of my product line I culled because I realized that I was doing myself a disservice by having way too much disparate stuff in my shop sure it was all silver but it was all sorts of different things I had all sorts of different you know beads and materials and colors and gemstones and it was kind of a bit of a, a bit of a hodgepodge and I decided well what does my brand really stand for silver simplicity that's my tagline and that's what it comes down to I make simple classical timeless modern sterling silver designs that will last for you know that will stylistically last forever and that are very minimalist and simple and I removed anything that didn't fit with that and it was scary it was scary as heck because I was you know effectively getting rid of like 200 something products or more I can't quite remember now that I'd put time and effort into you know I'd, I'd made them I'd photographed them I'd listed them I've probably I probably sold a lot of them over time, but most of them weren't selling, you know, regularly. I, I looked at what was selling, and it was consistently a small subset of my product line that fit with this branding of silver simplicity. So I got rid of all the stuff that didn't fit with that. And there's still actually probably a lot of stuff in my shop that doesn't sell regularly, but because it fits the brand aesthetic, I'm happy to keep it there. But but at the end of the day, I think like five to 10% of my products are the ones that really make us a living. They're the ones that sell over and over again and that people keep coming back to. Well, new people, it's not the same people, it's new people keep finding and keep buying. 
So it's that old sort of Pareto principle, 20% of the things will give you 80% of the, the reward or result. And that's kind of how it works with my brand at least. So, you know, that was scary, but it was powerful. When I did that and then I looked at my shop, I just felt, oh yeah, like it made such a huge difference to my brand and my story and it made it I just felt so much better about my business when I got that done so that is making those choices can be difficult I understand and it's okay to not know which way to go in the beginning it's okay if you don't know exactly what your brand stands for just this is again I'll say just start open a shop open an Etsy shop whatever chuck it all in there and then figure out as you go. It doesn't have to be perfect or right at the beginning. And it probably won't be. And that's okay. This stuff is an evolution. Don't wait until you've got it all perfect to start. Because you'll never start. Start and figure it out as you go. And tweak it. And narrow it down. And keep working on it. And you'll find over time it will get clearer. That, that you know the dross will fall away. And the the gemstones will rise the t- rise and you will find what your business and your brand story is all about but of course you there's two ways of doing this there is the unconscious evolutionarily natural way or there's the conscious way and what i'm encouraging you to do is the conscious way which is when you actually critically look and make decisions and think about these things uh, and that will help your brand become clearer sooner and help your business grow faster so last you know like i said last week you don't want to be a commodity people don't care about commodities they look for the cheapest one and buy it you want to be a brand and as you become and you become a brand by telling this story visually and via the written and spoken word that people can connect you on an emotional level so I, this really hit home for me many years ago now when I read a book called The Story of Telling by Bernadette Jiwa. I recommend that if you want more on this topic. And she, she tells a whole bunch of stories about brands that have told a really powerful story about themselves and how that made their businesses thrive. Uh, and from this, I made a huge difference, um, a huge change, I should say, in my business. And we're going to be talking a bit about this later, but talking to your customers how to talk to your customers, how to tell the story, how to communicate with them. I changed that. So whenever I sold something, I would, I, at this point in time, which was five or six years ago now, I was already sending a little thank you message to everybody who bought something from me. So I like if somebody bought something on Etsy or on my website, I would then send them a separate, not just the, the automated message, a separate personal message saying thank you. And it was only a few lines long at this stage, nothing nothing special. But then I read this book and I thought, you know what, I'm going to completely overhaul this message. I want to put everything into it that really tells the story of what our business is about, who we are and why it matters that this person has chosen us to buy from. So I created this um, email and it's about four or five paragraphs long. It is not short. It is not brief. Uh, and I, I basically tell the story of our business and thank them you know I say thank you so much for for buying a piece of our jewelry it means that my husband and I or you know we can and our kitties can keep living the life we love you know making these handmade one-of-a-kind pieces for people all over the world you know you're not getting a stock piece every time we get an order we make it for you and you alone especially to your um, specifications and thank you so much 
I'm paraphrasing here. This is, I'm not reading it out loud exactly, but it's it's along these lines. You know, thank you so much. Your purchase is a it makes such a difference to us. Thank you so much for choosing us because you could have chosen out of all the things you could have chosen in the world, you chose to buy from us, and that is incredibly special, and we value that. So thank you. And then I go into detail about um, you know when we wrap it up, we'll it'll be on its journey from our hands to yours and you know, we wrap it up like a gift and all of these sorts of things and I, I crafted this whole big story about that and at first it felt a bit weird like I'm sending this, <laughs> I'm sending my customers this massive response uh when they buy something from me but you know what wow it made a huge difference beforehand I might have been getting a reply to that thank you email one out of every 20 sales now I get a reply at least half the time, probably more than half the time, I get a, a reply from my customers going, oh, that's, wow, thank you, you know, that's so wonderful to hear. We're so happy to have bought from you and be part of your, your helping your business and supporting you and stuff like that. And not only is that really powerful in creating a connection with my customers, which I love, but it's also really powerful because if at any stage in the future of this transaction there is a problem, I've already started out by creating a positive emotional connection with me and them. And then if problems do arise, it's much more likely that things will go smoothly and they will be understanding because I've explained who we are, what we're about, and they already feel like they have a positive connection with us. And it makes a huge difference. So something as simple as that, one thing, has made an enormous difference in how I relate and talk with my customers so this is telling the story. This is just one of the many ways you can tell the story of your brand. And we'll talk about different ways to do that over the coming lessons. But that's remember that whenever you're doing anything to do with your marketing, just think about, am I telling the story of my brand right now to my ideal customer? So your action step for today is to write the story of your brand. Focus on why your customer would want to choose you. What makes you unique? And if you haven't listened to listened to yesterday's lesson, go do that now because I do talk a little bit more about this and I give you some further resources to help you if you want help working this out. But write the story of your brand. It can be, you know, you, this could be a blog post. It could go on your about page. It could go out as an Instagram message, uh, sorry, Instagram post. So, but at the end of the day, you've got to write it first. So if you want an example of this, of course, you can head over and check mine out, furiel.com. That's E-P-H. E-R-I-E-L-L.com. Look at our about page and it'll tell you, you know, how, see how I've crafted our story. Now, the way I've done it is the first part of it is customer focused. So I actually frame the story in a way that is talking about my customer or to my customer. And then I talk more about how our values re relate to our work then I at the end say who we are you know the whole I'm just in Nick blah, 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 we do this and that it, it so that's last so you you need to think about your customer talk to them first speak to them and the things they care about and then so on and so forth so a couple of further resources for this one Head on over to, wow, we're going back in time now, episode three of the Crate and Throw podcast, how to provide outstanding online customer service. I believe I go into more detail about the whole story of telling a customer thing there. Oh, I think I have another podcast about that too. 
uh, ethereal the order processing i can't remember which number that is but go have a look um, on the podcast page on create and thrive and look for that one behind the scenes ethereal order processing and i think i talk a bit about that in that, that episode as well and in the uh, thriver circle there is a workshop on pr so public relations how to get featured in pr publications and again pr is all about telling your story so if you want to actually get your story into you know blogs and magazines and other places um other sort of media that workshop will help you to figure out how to do that thanks again for being with me for another lesson of the making it podcast i'm just van den and i'll be back again tomorrow with the next module in our marketing series bye for today hey there thrivers just here welcome to lesson 17 in the making it podcast Today, it's time to think visual. We're going to be talking about how to use photo and video to tell the story of your business. Uh, First of all, I have a quote from Claire Smithson from Ornately Lanterns, one of our Thriver Circle members. And she says, I still can't do it properly as I struggle with the strong feeling of being above myself and pushing myself forward. And after 15 years of feeling like this, I don't think I'm going to overcome it. So I'm looking at affording someone else to do it for me. And of course, she's talking about marketing. This is how some of us can feel about it. We can feel that it is stressful and it's, you know, who who are we to tell our story? Who are we to put ourselves out there into the world? And if you haven't already listened to my mindset lessons in module, the first module of the podcast, please go listen to those. I do cover a lot about this um, area of confidence. Uh, But it also, you know, for some people aren't comfortable with marketing and they find it easier to get someone else to do it for them or hire someone to do it for them. But of course, a lot of us are not in a position where we're able to do that and we have to come to terms with doing it the best way we can. So today we're talking about visual marketing. We're living, of course, in an ever more visual world. We have Instagram, we've got videos on YouTube and IGTV and all the other places that you can watch video or publish video. Uh, Facebook, Twitter even has photos, you know, everything has become more and more visual. You know, why is Instagram the social media platform of choice for makers? Because we can show off our craft via the visual platform in an effective way. Pinterest, another visual platform, very powerful, very powerful. I'll be talking about Pinterest in uh, a future lesson. Uh, So, you know, the thing about social media, especially, but all of your marketing, you know, is if it's visually stunning, you've kind of almost won the battle because that is what people see instantaneously before they read anything or watch any video even your photos and your color and your branding is what people see and it was what will immediately attract or repulse them from your brand (laughs) i don't know how many of you remember the yeldy days of the internet back in the 90s and some of the absolutely hideous websites that (laughs) existed back then I was totally a culprit of actually creating such hideous websites. I remember this one, oh my lord. I had an X-Files fan fiction site. Yes, I was a huge fan of the X-Files as a teenager. And at one point, the background of the site was a tile of a photo of Mulder and Scully. Like seriously, a photo tiled was the background of my site. Oh boy, we really did not know. We did not understand 
good website aesthetics back in those days. Holy moly. So we've come a long way, but, uh, well, because we've come a long way, it's even harder to do a really, really excellent job now. So aesthetics, we want to have good brand aesthetics visually, very, very, very important. You've probably heard before about photography, how that's the absolute number one thing I think you should work on when it comes to your business, because the better your photos are, the more likely people are to buy from you, or the, the more likely people are to even bother clicking through. In the first place, photos are what sells a product online. So we want to have good visuals. You know, the most popular feeds on Instagram, why are they popular? Generally speaking, especially in our niche, is because they look beautiful. They are visually gorgeous. They have a beautiful theme to them. All of the photos are well lit and beautiful. And you then follow them because you love looking at the pretty things. And that's absolutely normal. You know, successful online shops all have one thing in common. Their photography is stellar. So today you need to focus on the visual storytelling of your business. You need to work on your photography. You need to work on your branding. So your colors and fonts, design, etc. Uh, if you need help with this again, go check out the Brand Your Craft self-study course. You can start it right now. Your first lesson will come when you sign up. You get a lesson a day for 14 days. Uh, and it is all about this stuff. It's about branding, colors, etc. How to actually put it all together. Work on including more video to capture more views. People, Some people love watching video, especially if your craft is particularly well suited to this. Do you have a craft that's you know aesthetically pleasing to watch you make it? If, it, if you do, do more video because people, you know, gosh, have you seen those like little craft making videos that are all over Facebook and Instagram? They're hugely popular. So if you can create something like that, it'll get people looking at your work. At the, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to telling your story and selling things, selling your work online, Specifically, I'm, this whole course is really focused at people selling online because that's what I specialize in talking about and teaching. You will not be successful if your visual storytelling is subpar. You know, if your photos are badly lit or badly framed, badly edited, your work will simply not stand out and people won't click on it. It will just blend into the morass of things that are out there from people who haven't yet uh, worked out how to effectively visually present their creations. Again, this is a work in progress. Do not freak out or get stressed if you're not there yet. Uh, most of us are. It, again, it took me years, years and years to get to the point with my product photography where I was actually happy with it, where I actually thought it stood out and, and, and looked really good. And you can do whatever you want with it. You know, there are some people out there who'll tell you you need to take photos on white backgrounds. You don't, especially if it's just for online selling. I don't have anything on a white background. You need to use framing and styling that makes your product pop, makes your product stand out from the crowd, makes it look unique. So that's what you want to be going for. Um, you want it photos that tell your story so again if you're not clear on what your brand is all about what your brand aesthetic is you need to get that figured out because that will impact 
how you photograph, you know, the, the styling you use, how the lighting you use, all those sorts of things matter. Have a look if, you know, for examples of this, have a look at my Create and Thrive Instagram feed. I've been spending time lately curating and sharing examples of beautifully photographed craft. That's why I've been doing a lot of that lately. So there's a whole bunch of really good examples on there on colored backgrounds and white backgrounds. Um, and, you know, look at things like maybe the craft exposure tag on Instagram that has something like 1.4 million people who've used it and look at the top ones and this is what it's interesting look at the the photos that have kind of made it to the top and then look at the recent and compare the two and you'll see the difference almost immediately in the the quality of the photography people like things that look pretty so you need to work on making sure that your photos look pretty so if you have a photo that you think is stellar and you would like me to consider sharing it on my feed tag me at create and thrive so i can check it out Use the making it podcast tag and I'll see it and check it out. Circle, if you're in the Thriver Circle, we're going to be doing a critique ladder on our photos today. So if you haven't seen that already, head on over to the Thriver Circle Facebook group and you can join in on that and we can help each other out critiquing our photography. Uh, You know, other ways to do this. Okay, so action step for today because there is so much to learn about visual Uh, storytelling i've got some follow-up resource for you in just a moment but your action step for today is this investigate an instagram hashtag and search on etsy for products similar to yours so if you make like i do sterling silver jewelry look at that hashtag on instagram uh, and go to Etsy and type that into the bar, Sterling Silver Jewelry or whatever be more specific if you can obviously choose one particular product for, look for products similar to yours is what I'm saying. Uh, you could do the same on Pinterest. Go to Pinterest, type it in as a, as a keyword. Look at the photos that stand out. Which ones draw your eye? Which ones make you want to click through and find out more? What makes them different? How can you learn from them? So this is like positively stalking people who make something similar to you. You don't want to replicate their style. Okay, you don't want to uh, steal their style, but you will notice if you look that the photos that stand out all have things in common. What is it about them that they have in common? I can tell you right now it's going to be things like they're really crisp, they're really well lit, uh, they're styled, minimally styled, so they're not overstyled, they they're well framed, they are an interesting angle, all of these sorts of things. But The more you can look at them, the more you'll get an idea of what you could possibly do and experiment with, with your craft. So a couple of follow-up bits of resources for you. We've got a couple of podcast episodes. Episode 43 of the Create and Thrive podcast, five steps to stellar product photos. Go listen to that one. Episode 13, how to take standout product photos with Jeffrey Opp. Now, Jeffrey is a master's holding professional photographer and artist and he actually wrote for me uh the create and thrive guide to product photography which if you want way more in depth and you want to learn about your camera and all of the stuff and editing and in a bit more detail go check that out it's look go to create and thrive look under guides for the create and thrive guide to product photography so it's an ebook you can buy and download and read and use uh so episode 43 episode 13 
the Creighton Thrive Guide to Photography and there is also a workshop in the Thriver Circle on how to use video effectively in your business marketing. So a whole bunch of follow-up resources there for you. But remember your action step, investigate an IG hashtag or a Pinterest hashtag and search on Etsy. For products similar to yours, look at the photos that stand out, what makes them different and how can you learn from them. And remember, if you're not already signed up over at makingitpodcourse.com, if you haven't popped your email in there, if you're not getting the emails, uh, the summary emails twice a week from me, you're not subscribed. So head on over there and I will be sending out uh, a PDF, a printable PDF every week with all of the action steps from that module in it. So I've already sent the first one out. Uh, I'll send this one out and I will also at the end of the course send one with all of them. So if you if you uh, subscribe to that along the way, then you'll get it later on. So head on over to makingitpodcourse.com, pop your email in. It's just a free subscription to my Create and Thrive email updates and you'll get those summaries as well. So I'll be back again tomorrow with another lesson in the Making It podcast. Bye for today. Hey there, Thrivers. Jess here. Welcome to lesson 18 of the Making It podcast. And today we're talking about how to leverage SEO in your marketing journey. So SEO is search engine optimization. In other words, how to use the right keywords to make sure that your ideal customer finds you when they're looking for what you sell. We're going to start off with a quote from Kimberly Brace of the Isadora Jane Collection. And she says about marketing, my trouble with marketing is I keep getting bursts of an overwhelming number of orders and then it'll die down again. I work a full-time job outside of my new handmade jewelry business and I have two boys under the age of three at home. You are a superpower. (laughs) So most of my work time is after they've gone to bed. So I don't always have the time to market consistently. I think I just need to learn to manage my time better, maybe get up earlier and maybe start post dating posts to go out. I think uh, Kimberly's situation will probably relate, uh, probably a lot of you will relate to Kimberly's situation. Full-time job, two little kids, part-time business. Uh, Frankly, as someone who works in their business full-time and does not have children, I am always in awe of those of you who do have kids and a full-time job and who still manage to start and grow a business. I think it's pretty amazing and just goes to show what you can do even with limited time. So today, this is one thing that you can do if you do have limited time that will make a huge difference to your ongoing sales and marketing effort. Why? Because by having efficient SEO, the people come to you. You don't have to do the job, the work to be constantly going to them. And that's why SEO is such a powerful marketing tool and why it's a probably a billion dollar business, you know, people helping people to get higher in Google search results, etc. or on Etsy. You know, there are multiple uh, companies out there that help you to uh, improve your SEO with Etsy. There's Marmalade and there's Etsy Rank. I recommend starting with Etsy Rank because it's free. Uh, there is a paid, uh, paid level, but Etsy Rank is a great one to use. Uh, that's etsyrank.com, I believe. Uh, I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But let's start with de- talking about what SEO actually is. So it's the process of optimizing your written words. So the copy on your website, 
your descriptions, your titles, the tags you use, uh, the words you use in blogging, the keywords you use on places like Pinterest and Instagram, and also the words you use in your photos. So when you save your photos, make sure that you're using words that will help people to find you because photos still aren't searchable except for the words that are attached to them. So make sure when you are uploading photos, when you're saving photos, that you use your keywords related to that image, what's in that image, because that will help people find the image in Google image search and other places. People often forget about that one and they just give their photos like arbitrary numbers or names, uh, but you're missing out on a huge amount of potential SEO juice there if you're not naming your photos properly or using the description uh, attached to it as well. So you want to work on this because the better your SEO is, the more people will find what you make. So it's basically the process of making sure that you're using the words that your customers, your ideal customers are using to find what you make so that they find you rather than somebody else. Most of my sales come from my SEO. Uh, most of our sales come from people searching on it. Well, most of our Etsy sales, I should clarify, but also on our website, come because people search for what we make, find us, and because we have good photos, they click on it and they come through and they're more likely to buy. So there, these are all pieces of the puzzle. If you haven't listened to my episode, my lesson yesterday, I should say, on um, visuals, on visual branding, photography, video, etc. Go listen to that one, lesson 17. I talk a little bit about that part of the puzzle. And of course, the earlier lessons in this week where I talk about, you know, what is your story and, and etc. They're all p- important parts of the puzzle that come together to create a solid marketing strategy. So this is a really great thing to focus on if you don't have a lot of time because you do it once. Sure, you can review it and you can tweak it and you can change it. But once you've got it pretty bloody good, you don't have to keep doing anything. It just works for you. It works by bringing people in without you having to do extra work. So it brings the customers to you more easily. Um, This is especially helpful if you're not into social media. So if you don't have time for social media or you don't uh, really enjoy social media a lot, then working on your photography and your SEO are probably the two most powerful things you can do, two most powerful marketing things that you can do. Because if you do them well, you will get sales. You will get people coming to your shop and buying from you because they will they will find you through those two avenues. So uh, there's some keyword, keyword research tools out there. I'm going to share a few of those with you. For, oh, first of all, keyword, that's not, if you're not familiar with it, a keyword is not necessarily a word per se. It can be a phrase. So, um, you know, jewelry could be a keyword, but it's not a particularly useful keyword because it's too broad. What you want to be looking for is more specific keyword phrases that reflect your USP, your unique selling point. For example, uh, one of my keywords would be men's sterling silver wedding ring or recycled sterling silver wedding ring because that's a, that's a keyword. That phrase is a keyword and it has much less competition because much less, uh, you know, there's many less people using that than would be using jewelry. And it's much more specific. 
If someone's looking for what I sell, they're not just going to be typing jewelry into the search bar, are they? They're going to be typing men's sterling silver wedding ring, right? So I want to be using the words that my customers are going to be searching for. That is what an effective keyword is. It is the word or phrase that your ideal customer would type into Google or Etsy search or whatever else to find what you make. So if you are making the mistake of giving your product titles and, uh, you know, floofy words, uh, giving them names or, you know, words that nobody else knows the meaning of, stop doing that because it's not helping your SEO. You want to make sure that your titles are very keyword specific. So, you know, men's sterling silver wedding ring, six mil, six millimeters men's sterling silver wedding ring, oxidized men's sterling silver wedding ring, black men's sterling silver wedding ring. You know, think about the phrases that someone who's looking for what you sell might type in, and those are going to be your keywords. And then you can test them using these keyword tools. So uh, I mentioned Etsy rank and Marmalade before. These are Etsy specific keyword tools if you sell on Etsy. Uh, Etsy rank particular because mostly it is free is very helpful so go check that out Uh, there is also AdWords so you don't have to buy ads on Google but they have a keyword research tool that you can use to see how um, effective a particular keyword will be or you know to give you examples of other ones that's one of the nice things about Etsy rank as well I believe off the top of my head they give you like you can get like a cloud of related keywords which is quite helpful um on do you can do this also to a to a point on instagram or uh use instagram keyword research tool so hashtag research tools because you know a hashtag is basically just a keyword really in a different format so looking for related hashtags that you can use for your um, Instagram posts and then perhaps you know try those out as keywords on your website and your Etsy shop or whatever else as well Uh, one simple way of doing that is go into Instagram go to the search bar and hit tags and search for a tag that is one of your keywords and it will bring up a few related ones so you can look and see what might be there so that's a whole bunch of, of different uh, examples there there's a lot of other ways a lot of other you know keyword research tools but those are the, the ones I've kind of found most useful over the years so really do focus on this you know if it's something you haven't given a lot of thought to I highly recommend that you do put some thought and effort into it make sure your titles the first uh, especially the first sentence or two of your description Uh, really keyword heavy but also readable by humans like don't just especially in your description don't just uh, what's called keyword stuffing stuff it with words that don't make any sense as a sentence you need to put it together in a sentence a human can read and your tags as well should have these keywords in them so don't make the mistake of thinking tags have to be individual words they can be keyword phrases as well so for more SEO tips, um, oh, first of all, let's talk about our action step, shall we? <laughs> so today's action step is look at the words you are using to title and describe your work. Look at the hashtags you are using. Are they what a customer would use to search for what you make? Yes or no? If yes, awesome, you're doing a great job. If they are not the words a customer or the phrases a customer would use to search for what you make you need to do a bit more work on your seo to bring people in so this is you know this is just another part of the whole telling your story you're just telling your story in keyword form 
So further resources for this one, two things I've got for you today. The first one is episode of the podcast. It is episode 89. This one is one of the most kind of popular episodes, one that I've gotten a huge amount of feedback on, and it's Mastering SEO with Fuser Reese. So that's episode number 89. If you want to know more about SEO, do not miss listening to that episode. And there is a workshop that I've created for you in Thriver Circle. It is called Etsy SEO. So it is specifically about how to improve your Etsy SEO. And that's over at thrivercircle.com. Become a member, get access to that and all the other workshops straight away upon joining. Okay, so I'll be back again tomorrow with yet another lesson on marketing for the Making a Pop course. Goodbye for today. Hey there, Thrivers. Welcome to lesson 19 of the Making It Pod course. Today we're talking about mailing lists. Yes, mailing lists are still incredibly effective and important, and I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. But first, we're going to drop in a little quote here from from Kate, and she says, My struggle is getting people to sign up to my mailing list. I have the attachment on every email or message I send. It's on all my social media, but not many people at all sign up. This is a struggle and it is a tricky one, especially for product-based businesses that don't sell a lot of volume and that don't have a lot of regular specials and sales, which I am not a fan of doing if you are in handmade business and I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. But I am a true believer that having a mailing list for your handmade business is completely non-negotiable. All the other marketing avenues are fantastic. You know, social media is great. PR is brilliant. um, But nothing beats having the intimate connection with your customers and potential customers that email offers. You know, building your marketing solely on the back of social media can backfire big time. You've probably seen this over the years when Facebook changes something or Instagram changes their algorithm. People freak out because it's going to affect their marketing. Um, there's nothing we can do about it. (laughs) We cannot control these big companies. We can't control what they do. The end of the day, they own the platform. You don't. The end of the day, they own your followers. You don't. The only way that you can actually like own their contact details is to have a mailing list. So, you know, this is why it is so important to have a mailing list. No, nobody can take those away from you. Once you have someone's email, the only person who can take that away from you is the person themselves. And that's awesome because we all need to control who contacts us and we want to make sure that people can opt out as easily as they opted in to being on our list. But when we rely on external services like social media, they can go away tomorrow. They could shut you down. They could lock you out, whatever. So you really want to, you know, there's nothing wrong with building your um, community in these places, but what you really ultimately want to be doing is moving them to your mailing list so that you have that personal connection and you land in their inbox. Email marketing really gives us the opportunity to connect directly with the people who care about what you do and want to learn more, who want to stay updated and who want to take advantage of special offers. These people have deliberately chosen to gift you with their email address. You know, out of all of the squillions of email lists in the world, they've chosen you. And that's pretty darn special. 
And it's worth working for because having their email gives you direct access to them where they are most likely to see your message in their inbox. You know, we all know the stats these days about uh, on Facebook and Instagram, especially about how few people actually see our posts. You know, how few of our followers these days actually see our posts. It's not like the good old days where it was chronological feeds. And, you know, if you post at the right time, everyone would see it. No longer. You know, so the only way to make sure that you have any chance of actually directly contacting people is to get in their inbox. And even then it's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to work because there's promotions folders and people have old email addresses they might use, or they might have a special promotions email address, whatever it might be. Hey, it's not perfect, but it's darn sight better than social media. You know, when, uh, I make, especially with Great and Thrive, I make most of my sales through email. You know, if I didn't have email, I wouldn't have a business. So it is that powerful. And don't listen to anyone who says, oh, it's not important anymore. It is. Now for Ethereal, I'm, I'm going to flip this, the, the script a little bit here because while we have a mailing list and I still promote it, it's not the biggest thing for us because we don't have a lot of repeat customers. Our business model is built on, having, on serving new customers because we make wedding rings. You would hope we're serving new customers, not repeat customers. That being said, we do have people who come back, uh, one, who buy other jewellery and come back again, or two, who have to buy a replacement ring or whatever. But the vast majority of our business comes from new customers. Therefore, what's more important to us is having really strong SEO and really strong photography so that we can stand out amongst the competition when someone's looking for a new wedding ring and they will then hopefully come and buy from us and that's what works so you know the the proportion of sales that come from different places will differ depending on your business and your business model but a mailing list should be part of your strategy so hopefully <laughs> i've convinced you there why having a mailing list is important and it is uh, if you don't already have one set up, I do recommend MailChimp as a good place to start because they're free for up to 2,000 subscribers and it'll probably take you a little while to get there. <laughs> so it's a good place to start. In the future, you can always change to a different service, but that's the one I use and I still recommend it to this day. So your action step for today is either go set up a mailing list if you don't have one, or if you do have one, send them an email. When's the last time you sent them an email? It can, you know, can be an update. It can be, hey, put together a special for them, whatever it might be, but send them an email. Uh, a few very quick tips on how to use this and what to send them. Uh, one thing you can do is have regular specials. Maybe put one of your items on special every month. That can go out to mailing list and it can be mailing list only. And that can be a great way to get people on your list because you can promote the special everywhere else but only the people on your mailing list get access to it so that's a nice one uh, that you can do ongoing so remember that one so i've got a few follow-up uh, resources as always for you episode 48 of the podcast why a mailing list is non-negotiable kind of what i've talked about here but i go into more detail and i have two workshops in the thriver circle on this very topic there is a workshop for beginners so if you have not got a mailing list and have no idea what you're doing, I have a video workshop on that for you in the Thriver Circle. And I have one for those of you who are intermediate. So if you have a mailing list set up and you've kind of figured it out and you've started, 
I've got an intermediate mailing list workshop video workshop for you that gives you more in-depth education on how to more effectively use your mailing list. So if you have no idea about this stuff, those two workshops will sort it for you. So head on over to thrivercircle.com. You can sign up right now and get immediate access to both of those video workshops that I've created. And uh, everything in the circle, all the workshops, there's about 30 of them, are created specifically for handmade business owners just like you. All right, so I'll be back again tomorrow with another lesson. We're up to lesson 20 tomorrow. Holy moly. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, course so far. It's been a labor of love for me to put it together, and um, I really have had some wonderful feedback so thank you so much to every single person who has given me such wonderful feedback on this pod course in the thriver circle on facebook and instagram and elsewhere i would love to hear from you if you have some thoughts or some feedback you can email me just at createandthrive.com or just comment at me on instagram at create and thrive i would love to hear from you and i'll be back again tomorrow bye for today Hey there Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to lesson 20 of the Making It Pod course. So let's dive into today, which is all about social media. So how to use social media is today's marketing lesson. We've covered a whole bunch of other uh, marketing steps. And usually I think for a lot of makers, social media is kind of the first thing they think of. But I, I hope I've kind of taken you on a bit of a journey of realizing it's not necessarily the first or only aspect of your marketing, that there are other really important parts of this process that you need to get in place first before you spend time on social media. So I've got a couple of quotes uh, to kick off about, you know, I asked my community about marketing and Sue Harris from Decorative Wood, Decorative Wood by Sue says, I have my own website and a business Facebook page and I put pictures of my stuff on Instagram, but I don't know if I'm getting out there. I get occasional requests for one of a kind commissions, but I don't know how to get more coverage on my stock items, especially as I'm planning a pre-Christmas special in October. We're going to be talking a bit more about launching in tomorrow's roundup lesson. So keep an ear out for that, which will help with that. And Katie Rose from Positively Katie says, and I like this a lot. um, I think the best idea around marketing I found was to use marketing as your goal. What are you attempting to accomplish? What idea or message are you trying to get out there? With that said, I struggle with being consistent with my marketing. I go through bursts of time when I'm really on top of it and other times I don't. So that might sound familiar and it certainly sounds familiar to me. <laughs> you know, we get, we're busy, we get busy, uh, we get an influx of orders, for example, or something else happens in our life and social media marketing is often one of the first things that falls away because it's not, there's no pressure, you know, for us to be doing it every single day and it can get tiring as well, you know, especially if you're an introvert like me, uh, having, putting in the effort to socialize basically uh, online can get tiring so it's important you find a balance that works for you you know if you're a super social person you probably love social media you probably spend a lot of time in there chatting with people and if that's you then that's awesome like take advantage of that to market your business if you're not such a, a social person and you're a bit more introverted then you have to be smart with the way you invest your time to make sure that you're not uh, exhausting your reserves too much So there are obviously a lot of options (laughs) when it comes to social media marketing. 
Uh, the first one I want to mention, because it's not actually technically a social media, but a lot of people lump it in with social media, is Pinterest. Pinterest is a really interesting one. It's something that I recommend highly if you want to drive traffic, which really is what you want to do at the end of the day. To drive traffic to your shop or website, you should be on Pinterest because people go there to shop. They go there to uh, plan events. They go there to plan their lives. So it is really, really powerful platform. I get a lot of sales and a lot of um, traffic from Pinterest. And it's not a social platform per se because you don't really talk to people. It's not about building connections. It's about uh, you know creating uh, pin boards and 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 repinning and and sharing and you can obviously you can you know comment and stuff like that but that's usually not how people use it they use it more as a collection device a way to collect together images and and ideas and and things like that so if you're not already on pinterest you should be i you know if you don't do anything else get on pinterest because it is a visual platform it is driven by beautiful imagery and if you have beautiful photos as we talked about in a previous lesson of your work then it's an absolute no-brainer to get your work up on pinterest and as opposed to something like instagram pinterest is viral because when you put something on pinterest if someone else repins it then somebody else repins that your work can spread really rapidly now a caveat with this that a lot of people say I don't want to put myself on Pinterest because people will then you know steal my work and make it okay let's just get that out of the way if you put your stuff online it's always open to theft it's always going to be open to copying no matter where you put it also the people who take and copy what you make are not your customer so don't don't worry about them like obviously uh, if it's a big business doing this and you're losing out on a lot of money that might be worth um, following up on. But if it's, you know, just random people saying, oh, I can make that myself and they're doing it for their own use, then so what? Just let them do it. Be an inspiration. They're never going to buy from you anyway. So and then they might end up sharing it and people who can't make it might end up buying from you. So if you put stuff out in there into the world, that's always going to be a risk. But the bigger risk is not doing it. Because if you don't put it out there, you can't sell it and no one will ever buy it. So it's just one of those things that goes along with making a creative business. And I have an episode of the podcast um, all about how to deal with copycats, which of course I didn't write down because this one's just come to me. But head on over to the podcast page on creantthrive.com and you'll see that episode there. And I go into way more detail about my thoughts on this. So that might be something you'd like to listen to. So Pinterest, number one, get on there, set up a, a good profile and uh, start pinning and make it a habit. And that's what it really comes down to with social media is making it a habit, making it a part of your strategy and being consistent as much as you can with it. Whatever that looks like to you. Does that mean you get on there once a week? Does it mean you get on there once a day? Does it mean you do it two or three times a day? Whatever that, whatever you are able to do, then think about that and try to be consistent with it because that's where you're going to get more traction. So that that's Pinterest. Let's put that aside. Let's talk proper uh, traditional social media. So Instagram, Facebook, pages or groups, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, all of those sorts of things. What you want to think about when you're choosing which social media to really invest your time in is where do my audience hang out? So where do my ideal customers hang out? Think about the demographics. What age are they? Um, what sex are they? What are their interests? 
you know, young people, are you going for like teenagers and early 20s? Well, there might be more of them on Snapchat and Instagram. If you're going for like 30, 40s, more of them are on Pinterest. Uh, sorry, more of them are probably on Facebook. So you have to kind of do a little bit of research and have a bit of knowledge about who hangs out where. And also combine that with what's going to work for you. So what platform do you feel like is most reflective of your work and you're most comfortable using? Because if you're, if you're not comfortable using the platform, you probably won't. And it'll be a struggle every single time you do it. So remember with social media, don't try to do it all at once. Pick one thing and really do that well. The beauty of something like Instagram is you can push your Instagram posts through to Facebook and Twitter with one post. And I recommend doing that because it just, it makes life a lot easier and you can connect with different people in different places. Don't worry about using the same piece of content in multiple places. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You can of course create uh, different pieces of content for different platforms, but don't get too carried away with that. If it's taking up too much time, you simply won't do it. So start simple and then you know build up from there. So when it comes to thinking about the sort of content, you know, what sort of content would your ideal customer enjoy and engage with? What will they enjoy and engage with? I see a lot of makers, especially people starting out, their Instagram feeds are kind of a bit of a mess. They're sort of a little bit of life stuff, food, <laughs> uh, maybe some behind the scenes, a few finished products. <clears throat> But the ones that are really successful really focus, generally speaking, on lots of really nice, beautiful, high quality images of their finished products. So if that is you, if you are a product based business, as I'm assuming you are because you're here listening to this, really focus on sharing a lot of high quality, beautiful images of your finished product and maybe also some behind the scenes sort of progress shots because I think they're always really interesting. But really focus on Instagram particularly, focus on your feed being very visually appealing and any sort of stuff that you want to share that's maybe not so pretty, put it in your stories because it doesn't, you know, it's not such a big deal if it's perfectly framed and, and lit and stuff like that. That's more the behind the scenes stuff. Facebook, same thing. Make sure you're sharing high quality images, maybe little videos now and again as well for different types of engagement. You know, should you be sharing your content or other people's content? Well, as a product-based business, I would probably encourage you to mostly be sharing your own images. You can also share complementary images. So things that uh, are on the same theme or niche as your work, but is not a direct competitor. So for example, if you're in the wedding industry, you could share uh, and you make jewelry like I do, you could share, you know, wedding photos of bouquets or um, wedding dresses or style, you know, because jewelry is, a, is an element of fashion, an element of style. So s s sharing other images that reinforce your brand style is also, also okay. Make sure to always credit, of course. So also when it comes to social media, the whole, the word is social, you know, you want to be interacting with other people rather than just posting and running away. Uh, what depth of sharing are you comfortable with? You have to decide that ahead of time as well. So how much of your personal life are you willing to share? And it can be as little or as much as you're comfortable with. Some people are like, all oh, it's all out there on the internet for anybody. And some people like myself are kind of in the middle, like I'll share some personal stuff, but I keep most of my life private. And some people really don't like sharing anything at all about themselves and they focus completely on their product. Any of those approaches can work as long as you 
think about it beforehand, get comfortable with it and, and run with it in that way. And of course, which platform suits you. As we discussed, you want to think about which platform is going to be best for you and for your customer. Things like Facebook and uh, Instagram are incredibly useful because you have statistics. So you have analytics. You know, if you already have a Facebook or Instagram page um, or Instagram feed and make sure it's switched over to a business account on Instagram, if you're still a personal account, switch it over to a business account. There is no problem with that. There's kind of been rumors going around in the past that you'll lose engagement, but Instagram recently released information is that that is not the case they don't your reach and engagement is not affected whether you are a personal or business account so switch to business because you get the analytics if you already have it go look at it if you you might not have done this before you might not do it regularly go look at your audience who is already following you and that will help you figure out your ideal customer and if your audience is you know the people already following you aren't just the right people then you have to think about why that is and how you can modify what you're sharing to hopefully draw more of the right people in, so your ideal customers in. So that's about as in-depth as I'm going to get today. I just want to give you give you kind of that high-level overview of social media because, my goodness, you know, this is such, a, such an in-depth topic. I have a whole bunch of follow-up resources for you. You ready? Okay. So <laughs> uh, we have um, a few podcast episodes, episode 83, how to grow your Instagram account with Steph Wallace. So that's episode 83. Uh, Episode 22, social media, how to spend less time and get more results. That's a solo show of mine. So that's episode 22. Episode 112, how to rock Facebook live with Jackie Musket. So go check out that one if you want to do like Facebook lives and videos and stuff. She's got a lot of really good tips on that. I've got a couple of workshops in the Thriver Circle. I have... A workshop on Instagram, so getting started with Instagram. I also have one uh, for Pinterest. So I have, actually have two things in the circle on Pinterest. I have a members-only podcast episode, which is the power of Pinterest, where I actually go into why Pinterest is so powerful to drive traffic and sales to your website and the statistics and all that sort of stuff and how you can use it better. So that's in the Thriver Circle. Uh, that's one under podcasts and. A Thriver Circle workshop, how to get started with Pinterest, um, which goes into kind of more of the nitty gritty of how to set up and what to do. So that's a whole bunch of stuff. I have a lot more (laughs) than that on the podcast and in the Thriver Circle as well, but those are just a few to get you started on kind of the main topics. I do highly recommend Pinterest. I really, really do. Pinterest and Instagram are probably the two that I would recommend the most highly when it comes to social media. However, do what do you. You do you. Find what works for you. That's the most important thing. Finding what you can commit to doing consistently and do, if you need to, use scheduling programs as well. So, you know, Facebook's great because you can schedule right from inside the program. Uh, There are things like Tailwind for Pinterest. uh, Sorry for, yep, Tailwind for Pinterest. I haven't used it, but I've heard a lot of people um, being positive about it. Buffer, Hootsuite. uh, I use Grum for Instagram. So there's a whole bunch of different resources out there uh, that you can use to schedule stuff as well, which is really helpful if you are like Katie and you get busy and distracted and forget to do it. But at the end of the day, if scheduling doesn't work for you and you want to be a bit more sort of in the moment, 
work on making it a habit that's the the number one tip I can give you is work on making your social media marketing a, a small habit in your day that you just end up like checking your email you know you post something to Instagram or you do five pins on Pinterest which you can do from your phone super easy so think about that making it a habit making it consistent and that will be the best thing you can do to grow your social media profile all right so I'll be back again tomorrow with the last lesson in our marketing week and next week of course is business management so I hope you can join me for that we're going to be talking about systems and uh, all the different elements of effectively managing your business and keeping it running so you can spend less time on the business and more time making things I'll be back again tomorrow speak to you then Hey there makers, Jess here. Welcome to lesson 21 of the Making It podcast. We're getting through it now. We only have one week left. We've talked about mindset. We've talked about money. We're going to wrap up marketing and next week it's going to be business management. I hope you've enjoyed the course up to now. Thank you so, so much to everybody who's been sharing the course on social media, uh, in real life. I've had some really lovely feedback. So thank you so much. If you haven't already shared it, it would be amazing. I would absolutely love it if you would take a moment to share it. If it's, you know, if you found it useful, I'd love to get this out to as many makers as possible. So thank you in advance. So today is how to make it marketing, our wrap up lesson. I've got a quote here from Claire Hayla from Island Cabana Craft and she says while we've been building up our product line over the past three years we've really struggled to market our brand at all we're on an isolated island with seasonal tourist markets with no online shop in the past so there's been no real purpose in building a brand since we've opened our Etsy shop we've had sighs of relief from parents at our market stall who say it's just so much easier for them to shop online so they take our card go off for a swim I've noticed more store views and visits after our market days but whether it will translate into sales only time will tell so you'll notice I haven't actually talked about doing markets yet and I'm going to briefly touch on that today because doing markets or shows or fairs whatever you like to call them is an incredibly powerful marketing tool and that's how I see markets you know some some markets will be financially successful some of them won't seem so financially successful on the day but I think a big point of doing these markets and shows is actually to get the word out build your brand so it is a very effective way to do offline marketing as is wholesale and consignment. So, so these are the old school kind of ways of getting your brand out there, you know, selling in, in brick and mortar shops. And while I don't do either of those things anymore, a lot of people do and they're very, very successful and they make a really big impact because there's something really special about being out there in the world and actually meeting your customers and talking to them and just getting people to see you. Uh, and it builds your brand as well to be in the bigger shows so for example we have one here called the finders keepers in australia which is kind of the premier handmade market that that is in a couple of different cities so it's not just in one place there's a couple of other really wonderful handmade markets that are city specific but this one uh, is you know runs a couple of times a year in a couple of our capital cities so if you get into the finders keepers it's a huge boost uh to your brand not only uh, through making sales but also just the kudos of being in a market being chosen because the competition is quite fierce for a market like that so those are some really really good ways of getting your work out there 
if that's something that works for your particular um, product, then I highly recommend doing it uh, and giving it a crack. Finding those quality markets. So, you know, start small. If you've never done it before, start small. Don't expect a lot from like a local (laughs) fair or market uh, because you might not be selling to your ideal customer there. You might be more of a part of a mix. But as you go on, you can try these bigger and bigger handmade specific markets. And you might find for you, especially if you are an extroverted personality who loves being with people, you might find it's a great um, marketing avenue for you. Same goes for selling uh, selling by wholesale and consignment. You might find that's a really good way of getting your work out there. And it might be something you like to do specifically. I mean, I've had people on the show who basically make their livelihood via selling wholesale. And conversely, there's people like me who make it exclusively from selling online. So it really comes down to your personal preferences and what works best for your particular product. You know, as um, a wedding ring specialist, it doesn't really make sense for us to be selling wholesale or consignment because we have to craft every ring to the exact size that someone needs it. It's a, it's a custom design. Whereas if you're selling maybe candles or uh you know, bigger, heavier items, it might make more sense for you to sell at markets and via wholesale because postage costs are so high. So it's all that sort of stuff you have to weigh up as to what the best place for you to sell is. But that's a whole nother episode and I've done episodes on that. So (laughs) if you want to learn more about that sort of stuff, head on back to the podcast and look through the archives. So we've talked uh, this week about a whole bunch of things. So getting clear on your story. So what is marketing? It's telling your brand story to your ideal customer, working out what your uh, story is, making sure that you have top quality visuals and branding. And then from there, talking about search engine optimization, having a mailing list and social media. Of course, there are other aspects um, of marketing. I didn't, this wasn't a comprehensive covering, you know, there's things like PR, which I didn't go into too much detail about. Uh, I do have a little bit of um, information about that if you want to do some PR I have a workshop in the Thriver Circle about how to get started with PR I also have an interview coming up in the next few months on the show with a PR expert who's also a friend of mine who I've known for many years who's really familiar with the, the creative industry so keep an ear out for that we just did our interview this morning actually I recorded it so it'll be out in the next few months so that uh, that's a really uh, useful marketing avenue as well And there's all sorts of weird and wonderful ways to get the word out there about your brand. But the main thing is to have a strong story, have a strong visual component of that story, and then work out the best way for you. What works for you? You know, there's no, there's no right or wrong here. There is what works for your business. And that's what you need to figure out. What is the best way forward for you? Just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you need to. Even social media, you can have a successful handmade business without social media. You really can. You don't need it. Uh, It's kind of one of those things that's sort of expected these days. But I mean, for my business, for for Ethereal, social media is, I do it, but it's incredibly small part of of my marketing strategy. It really is not where my sales come from. My sales come from having, you know, a good brand story, good visuals, good search engine optimization that's where my sales come from uh, generally through search and through a bit of PR as well actually um, and Pinterest which I talked about yesterday 
which is not technically a social media it's actually a search engine so that's where i get most of my um, non-seo traffic from is pinterest so that's why i so strongly recommend it for products based businesses to get your stuff on there and, and really build a profile on pinterest so I hope that this has kind of given you a really uh, clear overview of the elements of marketing that you need to focus on and what perhaps you have not thought about yet or that you need to go and refocus on. I also want to briefly talk about product launching um, because I think this is something that can be really powerful. So there's a couple of ways to launch new products. You can do the drip feed model, which is where you launch stuff one by one on a regular basis. And there's sort of the, the more traditional fashion launch model where you launch a collection. Again, either one works. It just depends on your business. Uh, where you see social media um, being really successful for some makers is, say, uh, there's a lot of this in the ceramics industry because ceramics are often um, more difficult to replicate. So people will release a collection uh, and they'll talk about it on social media. My collection's gone up. It's available now to purchase. No doubt the, the successful ones also have a mailing list and they send it out to their mailing list. And that's a really nice way of doing batch releases uh, as product launches. And, you know, if you have a drip feed method where you're releasing a new thing regularly, that's brilliant because it gives you something to talk about. It gives you something to email out to your, your list. It gives you something to pin on Pinterest. It gives you something to talk about on social media, not just the actual here it is, but the prep, the, the leading up to it. All of those things are great. They're part of your story. And that's the sort of stuff that you want to be sharing. So to summarize, uh, just one final thing on product launching is I do have a workshop for that. I have a workshop for almost everything, not everything. <laughs> In the Thriver Circle, it's called How to Plan a Product Launch. Uh, how to plan and implement a product launch, actually. So that's available. Uh, it's a video workshop, as they all are over at thrivercircle.com when you become a member it's all these workshops that i've mentioned and all the members only podcasts are all there waiting uh, for everybody uh, for members if you're a member already they're all there for you and if you're not of course you can join easy as pie over at thrivercircle.com and yeah that's marketing thanks so much everyone Whew, it's been a big few weeks uh, i'm looking forward to wrapping it up next week with business management so i'll see you again tomorrow for the first lesson in that module and bye for today and there we have it I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I know that I kind of just delved into a lot of different things in a not seriously deep way. If you want more information on any of these topics, I've covered most of them on the podcast. So, you know, just go back and look through previous episodes. I've also got a whole bunch of resources around these topics in my membership community, the Thriver Circle. You can find out more about that over at thrivercircle.com. And of course, if you haven't already, head on over to makingitpodcourse.com and pop your email in to get the downloadables that go along with this course, the free downloadables to go along with this free course. Uh, so you don't miss out on that. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this and you find it useful, please share it. Share it with people in Facebook groups. Share it on your Instagram stories. I really want to try to get this out to as many people as possible and you can help me do that and you can help other makers get access to this free course as well by sharing it around. You can just share the Making It Podcast link or, you know, share this episode 
let us know what you thought about it. If you do share it on your Instagram stories, please do tag me at Create and Thrive so I can see what you had to say and also probably reshare it on my own account as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again next week with the final course uh, lessons in this course. Number four about business management, which is something we all need to work on. (laughs) I've been in this game for over 10 years and it's still something I'm working on. So it's a really, really important uh, week of lessons. So I hope you come back and join me for that next week. Until then, bye for now and thanks so much for listening.